Hi Grace242 kids. I'm right here in front of my inflatable. In front of my inflatables. Um, but my dad wanted me to talk about my favorite band. My favorite band is for King and Country. And they make some really good worship songs. You can talk about your fav favorite band or type of music after the message. What's your favorite type of music? Hello, my name is Josiah Sage, and I'll be reading the New Living Translation of Acts chapter 20, verse 21, and Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike. The necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 19 verses 1 through 7 says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe that the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Hear the word of the Lord. Hey Grace242, back in 2003, a young Bill Vervelde stepped onto the campus of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago as a freshman in college. He rode the elevator of his dorm, Culbertson Hall, to the seventh floor and began his life in his new home of room number 702 on Colby 7. Not long after moving in, I walked past the room, a few doors down from my room, of two sophomores. Their names are Peter Humphrey and Tim Franks. And as I walked by, I heard this noise emanating from the room. Here's what I heard. Well, my friend Peter Humphrey was the one who was playing this noise, and I asked him, I said, how can you listen to noise or music like that? And that's when Peter explained that what I was hearing was a band by the name of Haste the Day, I was listening to a song called Substance off their EP that they may know. And Pete went on to explain that several of the band members of Haste the Day had lived on Colby 7 the year before. And they had left Colby 7 to pursue this career as a Christian hardcore band. And that's how I was introduced to hardcore music. And I'm talking to Pete about this and I'm thinking, well, that's kind of cool that they're Christians and everything and that they used to live on this floor, but I'm saying, how can anyone like this music? And, and the other cognitive dissonance was, how do Christians create music that sounds like this? And in the middle of all this, all of a sudden it got to this part in the song. And as soon as I heard that, my mind was changed. As soon as the screaming stopped and the singing started, my mind was changed. I went from thinking, that was terrible, how can anyone listen to this, to, I love this. I love this singing. This is like nothing I've heard before. Give me more. Teach me more, Pete. That is how I got in to the hardcore genre of music. 
I had a similar experience shortly after Morgan and I got married. We moved to Fond du Lac and I met my friend Joey Richoff, who is also a pastor in the Twin Cities today. And I found out that Joey liked hardcore music just like I did. And you have to understand that the hardcore genre is kind of a niche thing. There's very few people who like it. So when you find out that someone else likes this, there's lots to talk about. So I find out that Joey also likes hardcore music and he asks me, Bill, have you heard of the Christian band Devil Wears Prada? And I'm going, no, I've never heard of them. And so Joey starts playing this for me. So I'm listening to this song, Goats on a Boat, by Devil Wears Prada, and I'm going, yeah, you know, it, it's okay, but then it got to this point in the song. And again, I'm going, give me more. My mind is changed about this band. I want to hear more. Teach me more, Joey. I can't get enough of this. And Joey and I actually ended up going to the rave in Milwaukee to a Devil Wears Prada concert together. And that was my first hardcore music concert that I had ever gone to. Now, I still like hardcore music, but I don't listen to it as much anymore now that I'm a dad. This meme pretty much describes my listening life now. But I tell you about my journey into hardcore music because my mind was changed. In Peter Humphrey and Tim Franks' dorm room on Colby 7, I went from revulsion to hardcore music to an appetite for hardcore music in the course of one song. My mind was changed. Today, we are going to look at a change of mind called metanoia. Today, we're going to look at a change of mind called repentance. Who are we? We are repenting people. Paul travels to the coastal city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. In Paul's day, Ephesus was home to this famous temple of the Greek god Artemis, and the temple was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Here's a diagram of what the temple would have looked like in that day. Tourism to the temple was the primary economy in the city, and today these ruins are all that remains of the temple. Paul arrives to Ephesus and he meets up with 12 men whom Luke calls believers. But as Paul soon finds out, the belief of these men is incomplete. Paul realizes something is wrong when he asks them if they received the Holy Spirit when they believed. Look at Acts 19 verse 2. Paul says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Paul asks, Did you receive the Holy Spirit? And the answer is no. Who's the Holy Spirit? Now you can imagine the dissonance in Paul's thinking. You don't even know who the Holy Spirit is? How can believers not know the Holy Spirit? And the answer is, they can't. When I was in middle school, I loved 80s music, and, and I remember thinking it was sort of weird, because 
when I was in middle school, I went to the Christian school and then I went to public high school and I carried my love of 80s music over to that. And I remember thinking, I better be quiet about this liking 80s thing because I'm new and it's weird and I'm trying to fit in. But then I found my friend, Adam Brill. I met my friend, Adam Brill, and I realized that he likes 80s music as well. And so I'm like, oh good, now I can be forthright about my love of 80s music. When these men at Ephesus say they don't know the Holy Spirit, that would be like me saying to my friend Adam Brill, you like 80s music too? And, and Adam Brill says, yeah, I love 80s music. And then I say to Adam Brill, you know, it just doesn't get any better than you 2s the Joshua Tree, am I right? And Adam looks at me and says, who's you 2 What's the Joshua Tree? How can you say you love 80s music and not know who you 2 is, much less the Joshua Tree? You can't say you love the 80s and not at least know who you 2 is. In the same way, you can't claim to be a believer and not know the Holy Spirit. Becoming a believer and receiving the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. We believe that a person receives the Holy Spirit at a, the moment of regeneration. Regeneration is a fancy word to describe that moment when someone changes from not believing in Jesus to believing in Jesus. Regeneration describes the moment when someone moves from dark to light, from death to life, from the old self to the new self, from unsaved to saved, from following oneself to following Jesus. Paul probes these men further. Look at Acts 19 verse 3. Paul says, Then what baptism did you experience? Paul asked. And they replied, The baptism of John. Now, we don't know the details, but in some way, these men were disciples of John the Baptist. And the NLT translates the word for these men as believers. Other translations use the word disciples. So in some way, these men were disciples of John the Baptist. Now, what was John the Baptist's message? Look at Matthew 3, verse 2. John the Baptist says, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, there's two parts to John the Baptist's message. Repent of your sins and turn to God. Paul says the same thing after hearing their disciples of John in the next verse. Look at 19 verse 4. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. You have the same two elements, repentance from sin and belief in Jesus. Look at the first verse that Josiah read to us today from Acts 20 verse 21. I have had one message for Jews and Gentiles alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God, and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. Here again, the same two elements, repent of sin, believe in Jesus. Who are we? We are repenting people. We are people who repent from our sin, and we are people who turn to God. What does it mean to repent? The Greek word for repent is metanoia, which is a change of mind and heart. And just as a quick aside, there's actually a Christian hardcore band that has an album called Metanoia. And here is my favorite moment on that album. Here's how the Biblical Greek lexicon defines metanoia. A change of self, heart and mind, that abandons former dispositions and results in a new self, new behavior, and regrets over former behaviors and dispositions.
I changed my mind about hardcore music as soon as I heard the singing. I abandoned my former notions of dislike and begun to make it part of my regularly listening habits. My new self was a self that liked hardcore music and listened to this brand new genre regularly. Because the hardcore music genre isn't exactly widespread, my entire listening habits were changed. Before I was introduced to hardcore, much of the music that I knew about and listened to came from the radio. I remember staying up late on Sunday nights in middle school listening to Casey Kasem's Top 40 in my room, hoping to hear the number one hit, I Love You Always and Forever by Donna Lewis. And I always kept a blank cassette tape in my stereo because if a song came on the radio that you liked, you would drop everything, you'd run over to the radio, and you'd hit record so that you could record that song off the radio and then have it on cassette to listen to it whenever you wanted. Before middle school, I remember getting into the radio by listening to Oldies 95.7. We had a radio mounted to the wall in the bathroom, and so I'd turn that radio on while I got ready in the morning, and I'd turn on Oldies 95.7, and I particularly liked Gene McDaniels is a hundred pounds of clay. Just a hundred pounds of clay, whoa. All this to say, up until I was introduced to hardcore music, much of the music that I listened to was confined to the radio. But they don't exactly play hardcore on the radio because it doesn't have mass appeal like the other genres have. So when I was introduced to hardcore, my mind was changed and I put on a different self. One that wasn't confined to the dictates of the radio. My listening behavior was entirely changed. Metanoia means a change of self leading to regret over former dispositions. As I discovered more and more about the hardcore music genre, I began to feel almost contempt for the radio. I saw it as the overlord that kept the masses hooked on short playlists that repeated the same songs over and over again. One summer I worked at Kohler Company in the factory and this one woman would come in with her stereo and she'd turn on country ugh, for the whole shift. Now I don't like country but I remember in one shift I would hear this one song six times over. I went skydiving, I went rocky mountain climbing, I went uh, now I don't know what he says because his draw is so thick. 2.7 seconds on a bow, 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 bow. That's, that's what I heard. And you hear that six times in a shift from the same radio station. I began to think if only people knew about all the other music that's out there. Hardcore music was my gateway into these other genres and this other music that would never make it to the radio. And there's so much more even beyond that. If only people knew. And I regretted that I had been confined to the radio for much of my life. Now I was free to discover all this wonderful music that would never make it onto the radio. And I still don't listen to the radio today, other than K-Love when we're driving around as a family. And even recently, K-Love has taken a back seat to the new For King and Country Christmas CD that was just released. When we repent, our minds are changed. When we repent, we put off our old self, as Paul writes in his letter to these same Christians at Ephesus in Ephesians 4.22. When we repent, that sin that we loved becomes repulsive to us. That sin that we relished becomes revealed for what it is, an empty, God-dishonoring, self-destructing trap of lies. When we repent, we are seeing the sin for the repulsive lie that it is, and we regret that we ever loved it in the first place. One of the greatest preachers to ever live was Charles Spurgeon. 
And Spurgeon gives this image of repentance that just convicts me every time I read it. Spurgeon says, So must it be with our sins. Each one must die. Let not one escape. Spare it not for its much crying. Strike, though it be as dear as an Isaac. Isaac was the dearest son to Abraham, and God commanded him to strike, even though he was so dear. And in the same way, God commands us to strike at our sin, even though it is so dear to us. We must kill it. When we repent, we kill that sin that is so dear. Who are we? We are repenting people. These 12 men at Ephesus seemingly had embraced a gospel of repentance. Now, repentance is good, but repentance alone is not the gospel. These men had seemingly done what John the Baptist instructed, which was repent and be baptized. They had done that, but it had stopped there. They never got to the second element, which is believe in Jesus. They turned away from sin, but they did not turn to God and Jesus as his Messiah. Repentance is a good thing, commanded by God, but repentance alone is not the gospel. Repentance without Jesus is moralism. And moralism is a human pursuit that ultimately ends in failure. In his letter to these Christians at Ephesus, Paul says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. How does a dead person choose goodness? And in Romans 6 verse 20, Paul says, You were slaves to sin. Another question. How does a slave to sin choose goodness? How does a dead person choose goodness? How does a slave to sin choose goodness? And the answer is, we can't. You can't! Because we are dead and enslaved in our sin. Sinful humans will fail. They cannot choose goodness. How many of us have had the experience where we sin? We know it. We know it's wrong and so we declare, this is the last time. We vow to never do it again. And so we say, this is the last time I lose it with my spouse. This is the last time I yell at my kids. This is the last time that I drink too much. This is the last time that I look at pornography. This is the last time that I wait until the final moments before an assignment is due and now I have to pluck the answers off my friends. It's the last time I'm gonna do that. And my question is for those of us that have made that vow is, how long has that vow lasted? How long has that worked for you? How long has it been since it manifested itself again and you found yourself in the same position making the same vow that you made so many times before? Moralism fails because we're slaves to sin. A dead person cannot save themselves. A slave can't just achieve freedom, can't just choose freedom. Repentance alone is not enough. We turn away from sin, but we turn away from sin so that we can turn toward Jesus. Because it's by His power and His sacrifice that we are free. We need both. We need both a turning away from sin and we need a turning toward God's Messiah, Jesus. We need both the changing of our minds to regret our sin and the changing of our minds to want Jesus. Romans 12.2 tells us to renew our minds, and 1 Corinthians 2.16 instructs us to pursue the mind of Christ. We exchange our sinful minds that love our sin for the mind of Christ whose sacrifice frees us and whose Holy Spirit empowers us. Who are we? We are repenting people. And repenting people turn away from sin and they turn toward Jesus. Look back at our text. Paul explains both parts to these guys from Ephesus. Look at verse 4. 
Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. These men had embraced an incomplete gospel of moralism, and they come to believe in Jesus from Paul. Let's finish it out. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. These men believe, and the sacrifice of Jesus is made efficacious, and the Holy Spirit takes up residence in the men as they are regenerated. Put yourself in the shoes of these men for a second. I want you to contrast the repeated failure of moralism and trying to do better with the reality that the sacrifice of Jesus moves you from death to life and frees you from slavery to sin. And on top of that, the Holy Spirit empowers you to want Christ and the things of Christ. If you're trying to overcome sin on your own, and if you're repenting from sin without turning to Jesus, then you're running a race you've already lost. You're building a shed that's already tipped over, and you're writing a paper that's already received an F. Who are we? We are repenting people. And repenting people turn away from sin and turn toward Jesus. I'll begin closing this message by upping the ante here. Thus far I've been saying that we need both. We need both to turn away from sin and to turn toward Jesus. But I'll go one further and say that we turn away from sin by turning to Jesus. Pastor Matt Chandler says, Sin loses its grasp on our hearts when God is a greater delight than the things of this earth. There's a hymn that says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face. And what happens when we do that? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. We don't turn away from sin by mustering up our energy and making vows and saying we'll never do it again and trying harder. We turn away from sin by cultivating delight in Jesus. For years I listened to the radio and I thought, hmm, it's pretty good. But then I discovered hardcore and it opened up a new world of music for me into these lesser known genres and things that would never make it onto the radio. And my affections were changed. And the new stuff was so good that I didn't even want that cookie-cutter garbage for the masses on the radio anymore. Why would I ever want to listen to Look at this photograph. when I can listen to one of my favorite Christian hardcore bands, Wolves at the Gate? Jesus is so beautiful, so wonderful, so amazing, so life-changing, so powerful that when we set our eyes upon Him, our sin is readily discarded. Who are we? We are repenting people. 